Here's another inspiring message from Northside Community Church, Sydney. I don't know about you, but um, one of the most frustrating things about believing in God or having some kind of faith, whether it is, call it Christianity, is this particular denomination or church or belief structure, you could have your own, but any kind of belief, for me the most frustrating thing is that um, when God seems maybe inattentive or disinterested, maybe, or simply that he just doesn't care about me. Because who knows that this verse seems so simple, ask and receive, but um, who knows that that's not actually how it goes. Who's ever just prayed for something and bam, million bucks in the bank? Ever, anyone, if you have, please come and see me after. But it's, it's not like that. Ask and receive is so much more complex. And so... Um, I, I don't know about you, but maybe that could be your biggest frustration as well. For me, for Claire and I, and I know statistically in this room, it could be quite a few of us, but um, Claire and I prayed a simple prayer for more than five years, and that was that we could have a baby, and that, that didn't happen. And so for, for more than five years in, in the space where we were asking for these things, it was actually anger came and frustration and all these other feelings, but not the joy of the answer to prayer. And so I wonder if you can relate to that. I wonder if you in this moment have prayed something in your life and you're still waiting for that answer to come through. See, the thing that stands out to me in this verse is that uh, this passage is, is we can almost see God as a vending machine. And I, the best thing I Googled this week, and I invite you to Google this as well in YouTube, is man, uh, I can't remember what it was. There was quite, I was quite far into, who knows, the deep dive of the dark web. But like man loses it at vending machine, let's say. Um, and it's at Central Station, so it's an Australian film, which is great. But um, he puts his money in and then the snack gets caught halfway. <laughs> the best moment to observe not to happen to you. And he loses it. He's kicking this vending machine and he's barging it and he's just lost his bits because his nut bar didn't fall to the bottom. And it got so bad that an onlooker walked up and gave him money. He was like, just please stop. (laughs) But he didn't. He pocketed the money, of course, good Aussie bloke, and continued to barge at this vending machine. I love that. Thank you, internet. But... Who knows that potentially sometimes we can see God as that vending machine. Prayers in, gift out, right? But that's, that's not quite how it works. And so tonight I, I want to talk about, um, I'll weave my and Claire and our story into this a little bit, but I also want to talk about a man um, that Jesus calls the greatest man to ever live. And so if you have ever word, heard the word prophetic, then you know that this is the case for Jesus because it was some time before I was born from when he said that in the Bible. You didn't get him any, as many laughs, lame joke, third time in, I probably didn't commit to it enough. But anyway, um, we're talking about John the Baptist tonight. So John the Baptist, if you don't know anything about him, that's fine. I'm going to give you a quick summary. And that is that um, John the Baptist um, was mistaken as the Messiah. He did so many incredible things that people actually thought that he may be the Messiah. And so um, just some backstory before we pick it up. It's that there's, um, there's a ruler in the nation called Herod. Let's call him H.A. because he and his brothers are all called Herod, which is confusing to everyone. 
Um, so H.A. becomes a ruler over Galilee. And one day he's going to visit his brother and sister-in-law, who is also his niece. Weird. Anyway. Um, and so H.A. falls in love with his brother's wife and convinces her to leave his brother and marry her. Which is, again, weird. It's, and so... I don't know how it works in the olden days. But meanwhile, John the Baptist is, is preaching throughout the land and he makes Herod um, his target. He wants Herod to know that what he is doing is sinful, that it's not right. And so if you read anything about John the Baptist, a few things will come, come out. And that is that he only knows one style of preaching. And that is he's direct, it's public, it's in your face. I mean, this guy, he lived outdoors. It talks in the Bible that he ate locusts. He smells funny. He's rough as they come. But he was doing incredible things. And he had a mission, and that was to make all aware of their sins so that they would repent, making sinners uncomfortable. And then, like I said, he makes Herod his target. And so Herod, Herod knows this and they, Herod and his now wife get so offended that they uh, lock him up, throw him in prison. Herod's wife actually wants him dead, but it talks about it in the Bible in, this, in Matthew that Herod was kind of, um, kind of liked him a little bit, was actually quite in, uh, intrigued by him. And so he didn't kill him. He just left him in prison. Much later, he does die. Um, he's not still alive. Um, but this is, this is where we pick up the story. So here's John, the cousin of Jesus, in prison for what he had been called to do. And so John the Baptist was an incredible man. He gave Jesus his start in ministry. He knows who Jesus is. He actually baptized Jesus. And so in that moment where he's baptized Jesus, he sees the Holy Spirit descend upon Jesus and knows that this is the anointed one, knows that this is the one who's been called. And this is, in his words, the, someone far greater than I is coming. And so he says to his followers, leave me and go and follow Jesus. Now, I don't know about you, but if you're John, you're locked up in prison now would be a great time for old mate Jesus to come through with a miracle, right? And so he's rotting away and he's hearing about all these reports of Jesus gallivanting across the countryside. Let's use that word because it's pretty. Um, but he's healing people and having lunch with tax collectors and doing all these incredible things. And John is locked up in prison. And so in uh, Matthew 11, we see this verse. You see, John's incarceration took the wind out of his faith in the identity of Jesus. And so in this verse, we pick it up and it says, When John heard in prison what the Messiah was doing, he sent his disciples to ask him, Are you the one who was to come or should we expect someone else? What an incredible thing. John the Baptist, the guy that like baptizes Jesus, sends a message to him saying, what I think, let's see what he's implying is, we must be waiting on someone else because the God that I know, the Jesus I know, would have gotten me out of prison a long time ago. Incredible. 
So if you have ever questioned your faith in your life, it's okay. I'm definitely not a preacher that will get up here and say, if you question, that's bad. John the Baptist questions right now. It's okay. You're in good company. My observation of my own faith, and maybe you've seen this in your own life too, is that um, isn't it incredible what a change of scenery can do to your faith, both good and bad? And so maybe you're on this side of the spectrum where life is so incredible. Circumstances in your life are so great right now that you don't need God. And if I ask you the question, when was the last time you prayed or read your Bible or something like that, maybe it's been some time. That's not to make you feel guilty. It's just maybe life is so good that God is just kind of down the priority list. And then maybe you're on this other side over here where life is just, life is very tough at the moment. And you're sitting in this, in here tonight actually going, God, you're lucky I even showed up because where are you? Where are you? More than that, I, I think, and this is where these next two little bits may sting a little bit, but we're all in this together, is that have you ever noticed that faith has a bit of a self-centeredness about it? Got quiet. So, so um, what I mean by that is your life, any of you in the audience here, your life can fall apart and I don't, I don't lose my faith. I don't doubt. I pray for you. But should my life fall apart? I question everything, right? Isn't that incredible? There's like this, this bent towards a self-centeredness, which is we're human. That's okay. And so here we are, and this may sting a little, but I want to ask the question why, and that is, I lose faith when God is inattentive to my happiness, not yours. I, f- I feel like that's what it boils down to. And why that may be is pain and discomfort has a way of shrinking the world down to the size of me. Pain and, co- pain and discomfort has a way of shrinking the world down to the size of me. Um, You only have to ask my wife, and if you're married, then you may experience this too, or else if you have a brother or just someone that's just a bit weak in general, I need to have some concrete and harden up. But if I ever get sick, it's like everything's about me. And I remember only a couple of weeks ago we went to breakfast and I wasn't feeling very well, and it was an awful breakfast. I apologise, honey, very sorry. But it, it, has an, it has a way of shrinking the world down to the size of me because our happiness is at stake here. And so um, I got three points from, from this, and I just want to take you through them. Um, three observations. They're not anything other than that. And the first one is this. Have people you trust lift your eyes up and out? So here we see John the Baptist in, in prison and he sends this message to Jesus saying, where are you? If you were the God I know, if you were the Savior that I knew, you would have gotten me out of here a long time ago. And Jesus sends back this message, Matthew eleven four to 5. It says, Jesus replied, go back and report to John what you hear and see. 
The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. He says to John's disciples, go back and say, tell John what you hear and see. And so I get it. I, like I alluded to, we had a tough five years of just questioning God, and I know that circumstances have this ability to make us question everything. But it's so important, so important that we have people in our life that can go, I understand the circumstances that you're in right now, but let me tell you what I see. Let me tell you what I hear. Let me tell you of the faith that I know you have. Even though you're questioning, let me tell you of the God that I know you know. Let me bring some perspective into this. See, the perspective you need is outside the walls of your office or your home, that relationship that you're in, that financial setback, that business deal. This perspective does not sit in those things. The perspective sits outside of those things. And so two things in that is uh, if you don't have anyone speaking into your life in that level of honesty, get some new friends. You need people in your life. Don't ditch your old ones, but just get some new, better ones. Um, (laughs) But you need people speaking into your life. You need people that have you have the trust with to go, I know you're hurting right now, but this is what you need to hear. This is the perspective you need to hear. And the second is, if you don't yet have those, let me be that for you tonight. And I just want to remind you that There is a God that loves you, that adores you, that heals still to this day. There's still healings happening throughout the world. There's a God that just that sent his son to die on the cross for you. May I just offer some little perspective now and as we go throughout this message. Point number two is this. What is happening to you has no correlation with how God feels about you. What is happening to you has no correlation with how God feels about you. In Matthew 11, verses 6, Jesus um, makes this remarkable statement, which I found really tough to read. But it says, Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. The Greek word here is skandalizo, which means cause to stumble, cause to be offended, or to be angry. So what I imagine he's saying this in front of the crowd now, because what's happened is he sent the disciples away. He said, go and tell John what you hear and see. And then I can imagine the crowd at that point, they know who John the Baptist is because he was there before Jesus, right? And so I can imagine they'd be going, John the Baptist is, I heard this, John the Baptist is questioning his faith. And so as you read throughout um, from 11 and 6 onwards in Matthew, Jesus actually starts to defend the character of John the Baptist. And that's where he said, there's no one greater than this. Because people in observation of, if you are in observation of someone like that questioning their faith, I'm sure that does something to you. And Jesus goes to great lengths to say no. But what he says here is, blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. The implication, I feel, what that's implying is God might do stuff 
or allow stuff that makes it so hard to continue believing it's possible that some may stop. See, John's response was, I'm not getting you out of prison. He didn't say, yeah, you're free. And so there's every chance that he may have been questioning greater depths than that. But let's go back to our passage. So it is with your prayers, ask and you'll receive. Seek and you'll discover. Knock on heaven's door and it will one day open for you. Every persistent person will get what he asked for. Every persistent seeker will discover what he or she needs. Um, I don't know about you, but when I, I read the Bible, and especially in passages like this, which um, there, there has to be more to it because ask and receive is, is too simple. If that were the case, then everyone would be a Christian, right? And our God would be called genie, not God. And so I just feel like there's more to it. And so what I tend to do is I rewrite the passage just in my own language, something... And sometimes it takes quite a few times until it really sinks into who it is. And so um, would you be okay without screaming heresy at me if I just shared a little bit of this passage that I rewrote in ASV, Adrian Smith version, um, release 2020. No, close your eyes, whatever it may be. But this is just language, something that I read, which I, I thought was helpful. And so it is with your prayers. Ask, and as you are asking, release control to your Heavenly Father who knows exactly what you need right now. No doubt you receive, but potentially not in the timing you expect. Seek God because you want to seek Him, not because you want something from Him. And you will discover a God who adores you, sent His Son to die on the cross for you, and has set aside a place for you in heaven to be with Him for eternity. Every persistent person will get what he asked for, but not as you would expect. You will get it with the rubber stamp of God, good and perfect. Every person, when he or she seeks God, will discover what they need. If you're in a moment of questioning at the moment, um, can I encourage you, no matter what is happening, to keep knocking Keep believing, keep praying, keep turning up, keep reading your Bible, keep persisting. Let not the circumstances sway you and, and there, there, let not the circumstances sway you. And there you'll discover not what you want but what you need. See, I can say this with great conviction and authority and adoration to our God because that's um, some of you know, some of you may not know, but... The end to Claire and I's journey is that um, we now have an 18-month-old boy which we adopted this year, which is very cool. Not what we expected at all, but exactly what we needed and in the most incredible way. And the third point is this. Trust him. Um, I... I get the prayer requests. I see what comes through from our pastoral care team. And, and I know that there are some people in this room and definitely this morning and at Taramara as well that are just battling some really tough stuff. People's lives are messy. There's some really awful things happening that no one asked to happen to them. And so in this moment, 
whilst I have this microphone, I just want to say sorry. If you're in that moment of where things are really tough, I just want to, I just want to say sorry. And I really hope that my, my words haven't seen flippant up until this point. Because life is tough. Life is really tough sometimes. And sometimes no, mess- no message is helpful. It's just sometimes it's just time. Other times being here is the very best thing that you can do. Just to be surrounded by people that are going to love you and encourage you and support you. That's the best thing about the church. And I wish we were known more for it. Outside of our faith beliefs or structures, just that we are people that care for one another. But can I urge you today just to trust again today and tomorrow and the next day? And if you are in that moment where it just feels like everything is out of control, everything's just chaotic, let me just say that um, you are in good company. You see, a little later on in Matthew, we read the story of Jesus, the Son of God, being taken to be crucified. After being mocked and spat on and laughed at, we read in Matthew 27, 45 to 47, we read this. From noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over all the land. And about three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Elahi, Elahi, Lema Shevachtani. It means, my God, my God. Why have you forsaken me? My God, why have you forsaken me? It doesn't at all look like God's in control at this point, does it? Jesus, the Son of God, dying on a cross. You see, Jesus spoke about this many times. He spoke about the end. He, he told his disciples at some point, I will no longer be here. I know how this ends. Yet, like John the Baptist, when circumstances changed and, and the reality kicks in, even Jesus looks up to his heavenly Father and says, God, really? And it doesn't, it doesn't say this in the Bible. This is me and my God-given imagination, but I like, I like to think that the heavenly Father speaks to Jesus in that moment as he says, why have you forsaken me? I like to think that the Heavenly Father just whispers to him in his spirit or his heart or whatever it is, just saying, let me lift your eyes, Jesus, my son. You're currently prisoner to what you see and hear, but let me lift your eyes to the perspective. Let me lift your eyes to what, what I see. I've not abandoned you or gone off script. I love you and I'm proud of you. Trust me. It's amazing that the apparent loss of control became the greatest thing that ever happened to mankind. The apparent moment where God loses control becomes the best thing for mankind. I share that for Claire and I, those five years it was like God was not in control. He was not here. He didn't care. He was inattentive to my happiness. But those five years of chaos 
became our greatest love story ever. And so I, I want to suggest tonight that maybe for you, maybe that would be the same, maybe in your chaotic moment, that maybe on the other side of this, and there will be another side to this, maybe on the other side of this will be the greatest story, the greatest testimony that you can share with your neighbor or your friend or your colleague. And just as I'm speaking this now, I, I feel like there's people in this room that you walked in here and the word overlooked comes to mind. That you've, you walked in tonight thinking this is just another night for me. But I just want to say that if you feel overlooked in your life, if you feel like God has overlooked you time and time and time and time again, I just want to say that you are not overlooked. That God sees you. God sees your heartache. God sees what needs to happen in your family for relationships to be restored. God sees the things that need healing or see, sees the things that need his um, words to speak life into a situation. And the other one that I, I feel like there's people battling at this moment is... Um, if this is a word, is joylessness. Maybe they're linked. But maybe you don't feel overlooked, but you just can't seem to find joy. And I just I just I wanna I wanna invite you in this last song, I wanna pray for you. Because our God is a God of joy. Our God speaks life into situations that seem so incredibly difficult to, to get through, but how do Christians have joy in that moment? The greatest mystery. But at the end of this verse that we read tonight, it says, um, how much more will the perfect heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit's fullness when his children ask him? I didn't share this this morning, but I really feel like just ask for the Holy Spirit's fullness. Peace and joy and hope. These are all the things that are on offer to you. The great resource that we have sometimes is untapped. Anyway, if you, if you fit in either of those two things, if you feel overlooked or you feel like you've just got joylessness in your life, I want to pray with you up the back at the end of this. Let's pray. God, I just um, I thank you that you you have been speaking to your people, your children in this room, and as, as I've been talking, God, that you're at work. So, God, in this moment, I just I just pray for that. I pray, Lord, if there's people sitting here that are feeling overlooked, God, that tonight. Lord, I declare it in the name of Jesus that they would not feel overlooked any longer. That there would be an infilling, that there would be a sense of love in their heart and in their mind, God. God, as they go home to sleep tonight, that they would have dreams, maybe in visions of just feeling loved and not overlooked. And that they are seen and known and adored by you. God, for anyone that I don't get the opportunity to pray with, that, 
tonight that people as they leave, that there would be a, a strange sensation or something unexplainable, but they would walk into this week with a joy that's so supernatural they can't explain it. Even in the midst of uncertainty and chaos, that you, by your Holy Spirit, would start to, start to shift something in people's lives, God. Lord, that we tonight would see transformation in the most incredible ways. And so God, in this moment, for everyone that's sitting there, maybe the first group of people, life is incredible. Lord, may, may they look to you with thanksgiving in their heart for all the good things that are happening. God, for those second group of people where everything's falling apart, God, may they look to you and know that they can trust you. Let the book end to this season in their life. Maybe one that, maybe like Claire and I, would be the greatest, the greatest story that they encounter in their life. God, move amongst us tonight. Lord, that we not leave unchanged or not closer to you, God. We pray this in your name. Amen. For more info and all the latest Northside news and events, visit northsidechurch.org.au or download our app today.